0: Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show, nationwide from my flagship station, WSB, in Atlanta, Georgia. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Breaking news, in middle Georgia, a federal judge has just enjoined the Department of Defense uh, from the vaccine mandate. Uh, Let me just read you parts of this. Relying on the protections of the First Amendment, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and the Administrative Procedure Act plaintiff, a U.S. Air Force officer seeks a preliminary injunction to protect her from the military's mandatory COVID-19 vaccine requirements. Although the Air Force claims to provide a religious exemption, it proved to be nothing more than a chaotic quest for plaintiff because it was, by all accounts, theater. Despite thousands of requests for religious exemption, the Air Force hadn't granted a single one of them when plaintiff filed her complaint. Why? Because until two weeks ago, apparently no religious exemption from a COVID-19 vaccine was compatible with military service. Now, here's some background from the judge. This again, his preliminary injunction. This is breaking news. It was released uh, just a few minutes ago in response to a topic that needs no introduction. The Secretary of the United States Department of Defense, Lloyd Austin, defendant herein, issued a mandate for all service members of the armed forces under Department of Defense authority on active duty or in ready reserve to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. For years... The Air Force, along with other military departments, has enacted and enforced mandatory policies designed to prevent the spread of infectious disease. However, the applicable Air Force policy, Air Force Instruction AFI 48-110, contains language that carves out medical exemptions for compliance due to, quote, evidence of immunity based on serological tests, documented infections, or other circumstances. Even though the specific medical exemption exists, The Department of Defense military mandate states that, quote, those with previous COVID-19 infections are not considered fully vaccinated. Interestingly, the Department of Defense military mandate exempts service members who are actively participating in COVID-19 clinical trials from mandatory vaccination until the trial is complete. On September 3rd, 2021, the Secretary of the Air Force issued a mandate requiring all active duty service members of the Air Force, unless exempted, to be fully vaccinated. For more than 25 years, plaintiff has served as an officer in the Air Force with an unblemished disciplinary record. She is currently in reserve status, serving in an administrative role that doesn't require deployment or engagement in physical military operations. Despite her full support of and compliance with the military's COVID-19 restrictions for mask wearing, social distancing and remote working, plaintiff received a written order on September 21st of 2021, requiring her to receive an initial and second dose of COVID-19 and provide proof of vaccination. Plaintiff contracted COVID in, in December of 2020 and fully recovered. In January 2021, she took a COVID antibody test and tested positive for antibodies. Almost a year later, in December 2021, she took another antibody test and still was positive for antibodies. Neither the Department of Defense nor the Air Force military mandate consider her fully vaccinated. As a devout Christian, she sincerely believes that receiving a vaccine that was derived from or tested on aborted fetal tissue in its development would violate her conscience and is contrary to her faith. Plaintiff believes that the injection of her body with a novel substance of unknown long-term effects, such as COVID-19, would violate her belief that her body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The compliance date by which the plaintiff was to receive her initial dose also applied to exemptions. In other words, by the due date, plaintiff had to provide either a completed request for religious accommodation or proof of a medical exemption. Using the Air Force's required form, the plaintiff submitted a completed religious accommodation request for immunization waiver. As of January 31st, 2022, the Air Force hasn't approved a single religious accommodation request but it has disapproved 2,787 of them and has another 2,443 requests pending. Plaintiff's religious accommodation request is not one of those pending requests. On October 26 of 2021, the Air Force disapproved her request for religious exemption on the basis that the Department of Defense and the Department of Air Force have a compelling government interest in maintaining a healthy and ready military force through vaccination and that less restrictive means of protecting members of the military are unavailable. In other words, though offering a religious exemption, the military has failed to give a single religious exemption, at least within the Air Force. So what does the judge find? Essentially, the court finds that the plaintiff can get a injunction because the military, by offering a religious exemption, And denying every single one of them suggests that uh, the religious exemption is not being treated the same as it is the secular standards because the military is giving secular exemptions. So in the conclusion, let me read you this. Given the nation's essential commitment to religious freedom, plaintiff's harm, a constitutional injury involving her right to freely express her religion, exercise her religion, is not a mere trivial grievance. And what real interest can our military leaders have in furthering a requirement that violates the very document they swore to support and defend? The court is unquestionably confident that the Air Force will remain healthy enough to carry out its critical national defense mission even if plaintiff remains unvaccinated and is not forced to retire. All Americans, especially the court, want our country to maintain a military force that is powerful enough to thoroughly destroy any enemy who dares to challenge it. However, We also want a military force strong enough to respect and protect its service members' constitutional and statutory religious rights. This ruling ensures our armed services continue to accomplish both. For this reason, the court grants the motion for preliminary injunction. Defendants are enjoined from enforcing the Department of Defense military mandate, the Air Force military mandate, and the Air Force military order. Plaintiffs, or rather defendants, are enjoined from taking adverse action against the plaintiff on the basis of this lawsuit or her request for religious accommodation. So this is, again, if you're just tuning in wondering why are you reading the, this legal stuff, this is uh, breaking news. Uh, Tillman, he's the third, uh, the judge of the U.S. District Court of the Middle District of Georgia, a Trump appointee has uh, within the last half hour enjoined the Air Force from uh, enforcing the vaccine mandate against people with religious objections, at least in this particular case. Pretty big deal. This is the first federal judge, to my knowledge, who has ruled on the religious mandate within the Air Force. And the ruling goes for the plaintiff in part, it actually in large part, because uh, the Air Force says they will give a religious exemption and have denied them all, which means it's a religious exemption for show. And you can't give religious exemptions for show under federal law. So good ruling here for the Middle District of Georgia happened in the last 30 minutes. Okay, now we got to move on to other stuff. That's the breaking news. Um, So now we got to get into the other news. Uh, The Ukrainian situation continues to develop and the president is going to speak to the nation about Ukraine. Vladimir Putin looks like after yesterday building up, now maybe backing down. Uh, There is some discussion you should know about on this regard. It is obvious that the Russians know we can figure out what they're doing. The Russians know that Russian military communications are not very secure. And so the question is, did the Russians take advantage of it? Yesterday, I broke in with the breaking news confirmed by the White House itself and, and covered by CBS, CNN, and other outlets that the Ukrainian president advised Ukrainians that the Russians were expected to invade tomorrow. This came after U.S. spy flights over Russian military formations showed they had moved into attack position. They had moved rocket launchers and missile launchers into position to attack and had arranged their troops in a position to storm Ukraine. So word went out, Ukraine's president, told his people to expect an invasion on Wednesday. And then suddenly the Russians changed formation again and looked like they're backing down and pulling troops out. Now I got a, a conspiracy minded email from a listener saying, what if Putin is in on this with Biden and he's trying to make Biden look good and make Biden look like he's the negotiator. Well, I I, I don't buy that in large part because Putin doesn't like Biden, uh, but also uh, Putin does his own thing irrespective of the United States and anything he can do to make us look bad, he'd like it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved back some troops to make it look like he's standing down and suddenly he invades tomorrow. Putin wants to make himself look like he's the good guy here though and like he's the reasonable guy um, calming things down. What Putin really wants more than anything else is a uh, land bridge from Russia to Sevastopol the port in the crimean peninsula and he wants fresh water for the crimean peninsula and sevastopol the ukrainians have both if by surrounding ukraine with russian troops gets those concessions then he probably will back down i don't think the russians want all of ukraine i, I don't i don't really think they do i think that He wants these concessions, and he wants some turmoil in the West, and he wants to probe their weaknesses. Think of the Russians and Vladimir Putin like the Velociraptors in the cage in Jurassic Park. They keep probing the cage for weakness, trying to figure out where's the weakness. Is the power out? Can we get out? And the power is still on. They're still getting shocked, but they they can detect the fluctuations in the power in the West. And now that Vladimir Putin has shown he can invade and has no compulsion about invading, he, of course, is now willing to sit down for talks and get what he wants because he scared the bejesus out of the whole West, and the whole West understands something that Putin understands. There is no will in the West to help Ukraine. Ukraine itself knows there is no will in the West to help Ukraine. What he will do is he will get what he wants. Ukraine will probably then... Uh, grant some concessions like an agreement never to join the EU and never to join NATO, and then invite in the British and some others with some military hardware for Western Ukraine uh, to make sure Putin doesn't invade further. But Putin wants a land bridge to Crimea, and he wants fresh water. If he gets those things, the situation probably neutralizes. Uh, Right now, though, as it stands, it looks like Putin is now saying, let's come talk. Now, the last time, you should know, the last time Vladimir Putin did this, And everyone showed up to talk. They sat in a room and waited, and he came and said, ah, we just invaded Georgia. So they may be doing the same thing with Ukraine. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. A lot of shame in the West if he were to invade Ukraine after telling everybody to sit down and talk. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer we actually have bullen brand sheets and yes they are an ad yes this is an ad but yes i really am a customer i only like to do ads for companies that i really like and i love bullen bridge so this is my wife My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets, and now they are the sheets in our house. Bowling Branch does not cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften, and they only use 100% sustainable raw materials. They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your and Branch sheets as they feel against your skin, they are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great, and every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BowlinBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's Branch, B-O-L-L. A-N-D com promo code Eric E-R-I-C-K. One clarification on this federal suit. It's not a nationwide injunction. Uh, The plaintiff did not request it and it was not a class suit individual plaintiff. It applies to the middle district of Georgia, um, which covers essentially Athens, Georgia diagonally down the state to Macon and then down to Albany, Georgia. Um, But still, Uh, I think this is the first big ruling on the religious exception given by the Air Force, and it turned out for the plaintiff in large part because the Air Force has given the exception and then denied all of them. All right, we got a a whole lot of other stuff Uh, we got to talk about, and I'm behind. We've had so much breaking news and stuff, including, have you heard about this ATF Valentine's tweet? This is an actual tweet from the uh, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms ATF. Valentine's Day can still be fun, even if you broke up. Do you have information about a former or current partner involved in illegal gun activity? Let us know, and we can make sure it's a Valentine's Day to remember. In other words, do you have someone you wish to throw in jail? Do you have someone you wish to punish? The ATF will help you. What a ridiculous thing to do on valentine's day from the government should the government have have better things to do i i i honestly genuinely truly believe the government needs to the president the president and, and probably not this president but some president somewhere needs to spend some time just fixing the government the cdc doesn't work the atf doesn't work the fbi doesn't work the cia doesn't work The FDA doesn't work. Can someone just fix the bureaucracy? You know, I say repeatedly that small surrenders lead to big wars. Small screw-ups lead to big screw-ups. And our federal government continues to engage in a series of small screw-ups that are becoming big screw-ups. And that's the problem. Uh, That's that's I mean the government just it's dysfunctional and in that dysfunction people are losing faith in government. It's like it's like uh, the media and journalism people are losing faith in the media and he's uh, the people are leaving losing faith in the media in large part because the media doesn't exercise any humility and self-reflection the media keeps making mistakes. And then instead of fixing those mistakes as well, I mean, look at Joe Rogan over there. We, we got whole bureaus of fact checkers. Look at him. Well, people are looking to Joe Rogan as someone they trust because Joe Rogan exercises the humility that the media does not. Joe Rogan's willing to have on Robert Malone, but also Sanjay Gupta. The media tries to control a narrative. Rogan just wants to have conversations. It matters greatly. Uh, and the media doesn't seem to be self-reflective of this. And by the way, by the way, when you say it, when, when you say the media, they come up, well, what do you mean the media? Are you talking about Fox News? Fox News is the biggest player. Are you talking about them? You know exactly who I'm talking about. That you can't even accept and acknowledge that is proof of my point that you lack the humility and self-reflection to improve people's trust in the national press corps and the media it's very disappointing and in large part it's disappointing because I actually think that a free country and a free society needs a free press, but you're not going to really get a free press when the press is held hostage to ideologues within you're not going to get free, fair and honest conversations. You just not. And I think we need them. I think we need the government fixed I mean, fix the post office, fix the bureaucracy. The When the Roman Empire was having all the fighting with the emperors, the empire maintained its stability because the bureaucracy itself was competent and kept things going. Our bureaucracy is no longer competent and couldn't keep things going if the politicians went away. That's a real problem. In Rome, the taxes kept being collected by the tax collectors. And the bureaucracy kept carrying out the orders of the emperor and building the Roman Empire, even as the emperors were killing each other. That wouldn't happen here right now. We got to fix our bureaucracy. The small things matter greatly in the long run. All right. When we come back, uh, the crazy BLM guy who tried to kill a mayor mayoral candidate. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is eight seven seven nine seven Eric eight seven seven nine seven three. 7425. Sarah Palin has lost her case against the New York Times. I was interested to see how this went and was not surprised the judge threw it out. What I was surprised by is the judge didn't throw it out until he had sent the case to the jury. Malice means something in the law, and I am not in the camp that thinks we need to weaken the First Amendment and public figure suing. I, I do think the New York Times uh, screwed up. Uh, the question was, was there malice? And there was not malice. Uh, what there was was extreme ignorance about the other side. And you got to follow me here on this situation. Under the libel slander standard, if I defame you, if I say something about you that is not true, you can sue me if you're a private citizen. So if I say person X actually throws puppies in a blender and I have seen him do it and I say it on radio, you can come for me with your lawyers. However, if you are a famous person, you cannot, unless you can show that I prove, I said so with malice. And that is a very hard standard to prove. There was a case one time in Washington, D.C., I believe it was Carol Burnett. And a tabloid accused Carol Burnett of being fall-down drunk. Uh, Let me see if I can find this. Carol Burnett, uh, lawsuit, slander. Uh, Yep, Burnett versus National Enquirer. Um, And the New York Times, or rather in in the Carol Burnett case, they wound up, I believe, settling for about $200,000. And the reason being is because Carol Burnett was a passionate passionate champion I shouldn't say was she still is she's still alive passionate uh champion of uh anti-alcoholism she campaigns against alcoholism she encourages treatment and the National Enquirer claimed that Carol Burnett had been drunk and boisterous in a nightclub with Henry Kissinger, no less, uh, the former Secretary of State, or I guess he's the current Secretary of State. And she sued. In fact, she says she had two or three glasses of wine, was not drunk, was not boisterous. No one said she was. Uh, at trial, it came out, in fact, that the National Enquirer uh, thought it would be a fantastic story to run, given that uh, Carol Burnett was a campaigner against alcoholism, and she won. Now, there were some quirks here in that uh, the judge ruled that uh, the actual malice standard was slightly different in California under the New York Times versus Sullivan case, but still, uh, it was important. And here's the distinction you got to understand here is Carol Burnett showed that though she was a public figure and and she had to meet an actual malice standard, What her standard was and what she was able to show is that the National Enquirer willfully ran this story against her, knowing she was a champion against alcoholism, and they did so in order to put her in a bad light. In other words, they actually did it with malice. They wound up settling out of court. You have to prove actual malice. You have to prove Malice. Now, what is malice? The constitutional guarantee, and this is from New York Times v. Sullivan, the Constitution, constitutional guarantees require a federal rule that prohibits a public official from recovering damages for a defamatory falsehood relating to his conduct unless he proves that the statement was made with actual malice, that is, with knowledge that it was false or with reckless disregard for whether it was false or not. Now, essentially what it means in practice is you have to know it is false and mean to hurt the person. That's your background. After the James Hodgkinson shooting. Sarah Palin was accused by the New York Times of provoking the shooting of Gabrielle Gifford in 2011. Now, in 2011, Sarah Palin had released a a target map of targeted swing districts her PAC was going to target. One of those was Gabrielle Gifford's. And the New York Times and other media outlets in 2010, 2011, when the shooting happened, they seized on that mail piece and said Sarah Palin was to blame for Jared Lochner attempting to kill Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords. It wasn't true. Lautner was nuts. He had obsessed over Giffords because she had answered him a question about how do you describe something when words mean nothing? That was, that was, uh, now that's not his exact question, but that was basically the question. How do you describe something when words mean nothing? And he didn't like her answer to that insane question and plotted her assassination. He killed a federal judge or a state court judge and nearly killed her, but did not. After blaming Sarah Palin, it was clear that uh, it wasn't true and they walked it all back. So you fast forward to 2017 and James Hodgkinson attempts the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress because of Democratic rhetoric. And the New York Times wants to do both sides. So, well, if we're going to blame Democrats for saying that Republicans are going to kill people with their health care reform, we need to find an example of Republican rhetoric killing somebody, trying to kill somebody. And they used Sarah Palin. The New York Times itself had fact-checked the story and debunked it. And in 2017, James Bennett, the editorial editor of the editorial page, put it in that Sarah Palin's rhetoric caused the attempted assassination of Gabrielle Gifford. So Palin sued. What came out at trial, and again, I'm not surprised by the outcome. What came out at trial is that they were completely oblivious. The New York Times was that they they actually were struggling to find examples of Democrat rhetoric that they thought could incite violence. They thought they could find lots of Republican examples and they used Sarah Palin. But they seemed not to be able to find democratic examples, and they wanted to be even-handed. They didn't want to be malicious; they wanted to be even-handed, and they just presumed. First of all, let let's focus on the first point. They didn't, they couldn't find examples of violent democratic rhetoric. Alan Grayson said, "Republicans want you to die." The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee running ads of Paul Ryan shoving grandma off a cliff. Barack Obama telling people to take guns to knife fights, telling Hispanic voters Republicans were your enemy and encouraging his voters to quote unquote get in your neighbor's face and fight. They couldn't find an example of a Democrat inciting people to violence. But oh, they thought the Republican examples were so numerous, they picked one, Sarah Palin, and it turned out not to be true. And she sued. But there's another thing here I think we need to to realize, and that is how clueless the editorial page of the New York Times is about the rest of the country and about Republicans. And even about Democrats. They couldn't find Democratic rhetoric that might lead people to violence. I just cited numbers of them. And when they found a Republican example, it was one that wasn't even true. How out to lunch is that editorial page? Well, very clearly out to lunch, as is much of the left. It's not a thought original to me that conservatives tend to know the arguments of liberals better than liberals know the arguments of conservatives. Frankly, it's one reason I like to have friends on the left, and I like to hang out with them. I enjoy their company because they're they're a class of people with whom I don't have to talk politics. If I hang out with you guys, y'all want to talk politics. What do you think about this? What do you think about Trump? Should Trump run again? What about Joe Biden? What about the polling? What about the Republicans? Democrats, I don't have to talk about politics with them because we're not going to agree on anything. But if we ever do have conversations about our views and policies, I think it's very helpful that I can explain to them our side. Because I know the democratic side on things. Like take abortion. Any progressive listening right now genuinely believes that pro lifers want to control women's bodies. We want to be able to tell women that they have to have children. We want to be able to exercise control over their judgment and sexual activity. None of that is true, but they believe it. With epistemic certainty, they believe it. We understand their arguments about choice, about it being their body, about they should be allowed to engage in activity, and if they get pregnant and decide that the child is a burden, to terminate the pregnancy, we we understand their arguments, even if we disagree with them. They don't even understand our arguments; they caricature our arguments. Or on transgenderism, that we you don't even have to get into scripture; just biologically, boys can't become girls. And though some people want to dismiss gender dysphoria, a, a psychological illness, as something that is now normalized that it can have profound long-term implications, and particularly in terms of girls' sports, having boys on girls' teams, even after they've taken the hormone suppressors for a year, like the NCAA says, uh, could still put them at a competitive advantage against other girls. The science says so. The data now says so. Uh, it, it's We are degrading girls' sports after years of championing equality. It's not right. All they can see is we're trying to make a religious argument in the separation of church and state. It's not really true. They have a very hard time understanding our side of the aisle. And we see this in the Palin New York Times story. They were not malicious. You and I always look at the left and we think they're malicious. They're they're just nasty to us. They treat us differently. The problem is they don't understand us. They don't get us. They don't want to get us. They have no intellectual curiosity about those they believe are on the wrong side of history. History's arc is towards the left they would have you believe. One day they will find out history's arc is towards Jesus and they will be really upset about it. But until then, they have no reason to understand you and me. And they have no reason, they have no reason at all to think anything about us and what we believe or stand for because they think we're wrong. So why bother to understand us? And it can trip them up. And has tripped them up in this situation with Sarah Palin. Now, I want to make one last point here that I think is a necessary point to make. They wanted to go uh, with both sides do it. And they struggled to find Democratic examples. They couldn't even really understand why was it James Hodgkinson engaged in the mass assassination attempt of Republicans. In fact, when you listen to this story today, they do not talk about James Hodgkinson attempting a mass assassination of Republicans. They talk about the shooting incident at the baseball field. They talk about Steve Scalise. They don't talk about the other Republicans who were shot. They try to minimize it because he was a Bernie Sanders supporter. I remember when this happened. I was on CNN during the Gabriel Giffords days. We spent a week or more. Discussing that people piling on the right saying it was our rhetoric and then you get to James Hodgkinson and within 24 hours it turns out he's a Bernie Sanders supporter and the news just disappears. There is a complete double standard in how much of the mainstream media treats conservatives versus liberals. And all you have to do is look at the Sarah Palin versus New York Times case. There was no actual malice there. It's not that they meant to be mean to her and say something they knew wasn't true. They just don't know and presume because they have no intellectual curiosity at all about people on the right. They just think we're wrong. Now. I got to tell you about a group that is fighting back. That's Patriot Mobile, and they need you as a customer to help them continue the fight. They take a portion of their profits, and they give it to the conservative movement, and you can be a part of it. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Move your cell service to them. If you have an existing number you want to port over, you can do that. If you just want a new number, you can do that. If you have an unlocked phone, you can port it over, or you can buy a new phone from them or an unlocked phone somewhere and take it to them. And they have 100% U.S. based customer service. You can call them if you want. Nine seven two Patriot is the number. You tell them Eric sent you. You get free activation, and then they take a portion of their profits and they fund the pro life movement, they fund the Second Amendment movement, they fund veterans and first responders. They do great charitable and political work for conservatives. They share your values. They want you as a customer, and they have great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else does. So you don't have to worry about their service. You get voice, you get 5G, you get data. All you do is go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty, building and loan nationwide. They can help your small business become a really big business. You're in charge of the finances for a business. You need a loan, $750,000 or higher. Banks are telling you no interest rates are headed up and you got to get it locked in. Go to First Liberty, talk to my friends, the Frost family. They've been doing this since the early 90s. They know how to help small business. Go to firstlibertyga.com. Firstlibertyga.com and let them help you. Y'all, this is this is somewhat hilarious. Uh there's a there's a story out about um well, people who bought in the pandemic. And the headline is, they rushed to buy in the pandemic. Here's what they would change. And one of the people is Stephanie DeSantis. She felt claustrophobic, don't you know, working from home in her 800-square-foot townhouse in the Queen Anne neighborhood of Seattle. So like, million, like millions of Americans, she started looking for a bigger place with a maximum budget at $900,000. And soon realized if she wanted to stay in the central neighborhood, she'd have to pay more. She pushed her budget up to $1.3 million, reassessing her priorities. Now, listen to this. Listen, I decided I've done a lot of traveling. I've had a lot of fun. I've done the thing where I'm like, I'm hungry for pasta. I'm going to Rome for three days, said Ms. DeSantis, 47, who works for Amazon. I can't stop doing that. I can afford to be a little house poor. I can stop doing that. I can afford to be a little house poor. In October of 2020, while she's in Massachusetts visiting family for a month, a 2,500 square foot house dropped for $1.45 million over her maximum budget, but within reach. After her friends, her broker, and inspector vetted it in her absence, she offered at full asking price, and it was accepted. The house gave her more space, but a significant financial cost. In 2021, her priorities shifted, and she suddenly felt the burden of a mortgage. Oh, dear. Now, listen to this, what she learned. When Ms. DeSantis calculated her budget, she didn't anticipate how large a mortgage would limit her future options. Wouldn't be able to go off to Rome for three days. I wish I had waited, been able to foresee a couple of years down the road. I could have taken a break or been the person who's like, okay, I'll move to Montana and get a house that's everything I want for half the price. Really? She said that. Such relatable people in the New York Times. You could all relate to someone who just jets off to Rome for three days because they want pasta, can't you? It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates, you got the economy, you got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity. Where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building, you want to build a building, reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can.